tonight, forget minor cosmetic surgery, Kevin Walters gives his Queensland Origin team the full facelift and liposuction treatment. Meanwhile, the Blues don't even change their underwear. Rafael Nadal's amazing 10th lie down in the red roll on Garros clay. One magpie flies high while the team crashes back to earth. Beaten by England, the Aussies prepare to take on Cricket Australia and dual international Carmichael Hunt is our guest after a winning debut for the Wallabies. Here's cheers to another edition of the Back Page. What a win for Australia. So much sport, so little time. They continue to speak before they think. I'll be about as relaxed <laughs> as Jeff Bennett in a spelling bee. People costume his job. All about the fans and what brings kids back. One of Australia's biggest rivalries. Sport doesn't stop and neither do we. Yes, hello everybody, welcome to the back page. And tonight, look, in keeping with the Queensland State of Origin selection announcement, I'll name my team in alphabetical order. Please welcome Robert Craddock, <laughs> Damien Fleming, I think I'm getting it right so far, Adam Spencer, and finally, Kelly Underwood. Hello and welcome to you all. Lovely to be with you on this evening. We're going to get to Origin in just a second, but let's start with one of the most remarkable sporting achievements in history there, I've said it. Rafael Nadal has won his 10th French Open title. Brilliant touch, Kel, beating Stan Wawrinka. This is something that's never going to be matched, is it? No, I mean, it's just extraordinary, isn't it? You think how hard it is to win one. You've got to win seven matches over five sets over 14 days, and he's, he's done it 10 times. Three years since he's won a slam, many people, and I'll put my hand up and say, I thought his body was absolutely cooked and broken down two or three years ago. And all credit to him, he's able to put himself back together and win a tenth that you mentioned will not be matched. What an unbelievable tennis season we've seen so far. Yeah. If anyone had said to us last year that this year, you know, Serena Williams would win her 23rd while she was eight weeks pregnant, you wouldn't yep. have believed it. Roger Federer at 35 would win an 18th slam and then Rafa to win a tenth. Remarkable. Yeah, but credit's where it's due also. But when, when Federer said he wouldn't compete in this French, you said, and nor should he because it's over already, we may as well give it to Nadal. <laughs> yeah. And that just turned out to be the case. It was just so easy and one-sided. And the other amazing stat, so with Nadal now on 15, Federer 18, Djokovic 12, by my count, since 2003 Wimbledon, Which 58 is... Grand Slams, those guys have won 45 Oof. out of the 58 between them. Selfish. <laughs> so can, Raf, can Raf get fed? That's the thing at Wimbledon. He shouldn't play any more Grand Slams, Raph. He should just play the next three French <laughs> Open. He'll get him, won't he? It'd be great to watch. It has been great to watch uh, Rafa's wins over the years. Been playing a bit of this. Have a look. Just the, his reaction to how he's won and just the ageing of him and the T-shirt with the uh, sleeves, no sleeves, and the lying down in the dozy red clay of Roland Garros. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's yeah. the dead ant move, isn't it? <laughs> 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 I tell you, his opponents are an interesting study too, Kel, aren't they? I mean, look at the joy of him there now, but they come in with these gushing game plans, and as Marinka said, he finds his way inside your head in about four games, yep. and then you feel yourself melting, yes. you know, and, and he just destroys them, doesn't he? Every four of game plan. And what I liked about him, just the quirkiness, he started out life as a right-hander. And his uncle yeah. said, no, no, you should be a left-hander, you'll be a better player. Makes me wonder how many sportsmen over the years could have been better with the other hand, because yeah, Michael, that's a kooky remember story. Remember Mr Cricket, Michael Hussey, he was yeah. a right-hander and idolised Alan Border, so started batting left-handed. In the backyard, kid. changed yeah. around. Yeah. I love it. Call me old school, uh, uh, whatever happened to just jumping the net in celebration mm, yeah. rather than lying? Yeah. The great Rod Laver, look, he made it the signature for him, as he goes, throws the ball up. Oh, look at that. 
over That's the That's the scissor kick, isn't it? Yeah. That was, that was yeah. the preferred Well, if you'd gone the Frosby flop, it would have been ugly, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying, Tony, that these days they just all throw the racket up in the air, fall lay on back their back. on their back. You'd like to say something a little bit just more unique. When did they stop doing that, Tony? Around Paddy Cash went all King Kong, didn't he? <laughs> he, he was climbing <laughs> buildings. A little bit. Just bring it back. All right, let's get to the women's side. It was a uh, first time with 20-year-old Yelena Ostapenko beating Simona Halep. Now, this is a girl, of course, who beat our own... Sam Stozer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Stozer took the first set off her and suffered a hand injury. Look, I mentioned the word unpredictable before. World number 47 coming in had never won on the WTA tour. She started this tournament as a teenager. She turned 20 in the second week. She plays this sort of high-risk, high-reward slugs it out from the baseline. And, I mean, the definition of that final, and I, I sat up and watched it, was just this fearlessness of youth. Oh, yeah. She was not nervous. She wasn't scared. She's playing Simona Halep where, you know, it just meant so much to her. Her coach is Darren Cale uh, losing her second major final, her second French Open final. Doubles down on the disappointment for Sam, though, doesn't it? Because she held, she was on top before that hand injury in her game against, wasn't she? Well, it's sort of a what-if, isn't yeah. it? But Ostapenko yeah. actually, she, won, she lost the first set of that tournament. So she was staring down the barrel of a, a first-round uh, exit. I couldn't believe the way she played. What was it? 54 winners and 51 unforced errors. And her opponent made 10 unforced errors and about eight winners. Like, yep. it was just... Fortune just favoured the absolute brave. And I mean, it? tennis is all about matchups, isn't it? And at one end, you had the ultimate attacker, yeah. and down the other end, you had the ultimate defender. So it was a really fascinating matchup. Her forehands were faster on average than Andy Murray, the number one male player yeah. in the world. Aussies, Casey Delacqua and Ash Barty, old hands at major finals, just not winning them, sadly. This is a fourth slam doubles final they've contested. They've lost all four. I don't know what the odds for that are, Adam. Well, they'd be one in 16, of course, Tony, because right. they're four or six. <laughs> and I believe, isn't, isn't Casey, right? Hasn't she made seven, seven different finals, singles and doubles? Yeah. Yep. And lost all seven of them? Yep. Yeah. One in 128 chance. There you go. Assuming each event is, of course, 50-50 and they're mutually exclusive, that's the whole sort of thing. So program. she retired as a single. Pretty basic She's stuff, Spencer. Just playing doubles, yep. one, one mixed doubles, but it's just she's just chasing that women's doubles title with her bestie, Ash. Yep. All right, look, let's get into Origin. I really like the look of the Queensland team for State of Origin too, but they didn't muck around. Seven changes. Where's the love crash? Where's the loyalty? <laughs> well, loyalty got them into trouble in the first place, Tony, when they stuck with the same team from last year, or similar team for the first game, but there was blood on the floor. It was one of the biggest, the Kevolution Revolution, they're yep. calling it under Kev Walters. <laughs> and But this team probably should have gone out for game one, you know, and, and so they've sent some younger players out to the, the slippery old ANZ Stadium surfs and say, can you salvage the series? But what I'm noticing, there's a bit of nerves in Sydney about this team. Where, as soon as you put... Where did you notice that? Well, when I saw someone who shall remain Tony Squires, who was <laughs> strutting around like a peacock last week, was saying, he said, oh, you know, Thurston's back, Slade is back, is starting to worry. So... Well, there is a lot of points that has in this team. those players in it is yeah. something you do have to be worried about. Surely. Oh, it's it's, a, it's an attacking team. Yeah. It's gung ho. It's saying, right, boys, let's go into blast off mode. So, It'll Crash, be... those two are always going to come back in. Who who are the other surprises then? Oh, guys have got axed. Well, Tim Glasby, uh, a lot of the older players went, as predicted, like Nate Miles. Sam Thide went, which is sad because he's had 29 games. If you get 30, 
you go on the front of the team bus. What? Uh, your picture goes in the front. You are, you're, yeah, your yeah, picture, in, not you. Oh, no, no, you don't sit in the front row. <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> you said you go to the front of the bus. Yeah, your picture. So you're like a legend. Yeah, Once it's called the Statesman's Club, the 30 Whoa. origin. Very few guys have done it. They had the montage of them on the front of the team bus. Them, Sam thought it was his birthday it was his yesterday. Birthday. Didn't have mm. a phone call, he was just texted. More than any me, other... It's you. <laughs> <laughs> Just More rude. than any other player, that was the sign, yeah. the cutting point from one generation to the next because most people thought he was sort of untouchable. He played for Australia about a month ago, so that was it. The old guard out and in with the new. Yeah, well, you say that there's a bit of complacency or a bit of, bit of fear in New South Wales. I'm wearing this top tonight as my way of saying... I could get a game in this current Queensland Duds <laughs> <laughs> and New South Wales are going to run all over it next it's, it's been said uh, it's like a family for Queensland, this whole thing. Now, you could tell what it meant to Kevin Walters getting all emotional again, talking about having to drop Justin O'Neill. You know, I feel he went like above and beyond of what he's meant to do, so it was pretty tough. That's <laughs> That was actually him talking last week about Billy Slater. But oh. never... <laughs> You don't remember that from last week. We played it last week, Kelly. <laughs> the pressure of State of Origin coaching is such, you actually see a guy become hard-baked in the job. Like, yeah. Kev Walters from press conference one to two was a tougher man. And that's what the pressure of it does. What sort of influence does the captain, Cameron Smith, have on picking this team? Selection from the first one to the second? Good question, because I've got a bit of theory about this team that was heavily influenced by the senior players. Tim Glasby, who plays for the Melbourne Storm, I could not imagine... As honourable a selection as he is, he would not be there unless Cameron Smith said he is right for this team. Gavin Cooper from the Cowboys, who rides shotgun with Jonathan Thurston. I find it impossible to believe at some stage of discussions JT didn't say, Coops, mate. Coops will get the job yeah, done. He scores so. great tries off his left yeah, hip. There's yeah. no doubt about it. What about Jonathan Thurston, though, Crash? <laughs> I mean, this is an amazing <laughs> footy player in any era. He's just brilliant. Hadn't played NRL for, what, for months. Comes out, owns it for the Cowboys mm. uh, against the Eels in Darwin. Is that why you're nervous, Tony? Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> he, he's, he's played one game of footy. Played for Australia. Hadn't played for a few weeks before then. Didn't play for a couple, you know, weeks and weeks. Comes out and look at him. Yeah. He owns a football field. And if they're forwards and they pick some young guys and some tougher guys, if their forwards just got an even playing with the New South Wales, that guy can do it. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah, he came out the other night, they sledged him, they targeted him, yeah. he gets thrown around like a ragdoll phlegm in every game he plays, but he's come just back from so the shoulder. Tough. Yeah. 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 They tested yeah. him, no problems. Yeah. I must admit, in the first the game, when everyone was exhausted and creeping back on side, I thought... Thurston would have been the first man back on side. He's so fit. Yeah. Did you talking it up, Crash? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So am I, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> the Blues, though, are unchanged for Game 2. No surprises there, of course. They, they did win. The fact they're staying at the Star uh, Casino has surprised some people, though. There they are. This is today, the photo shoot at, at the Star. I don't see any... What could possibly go no, wrong? How could anything possibly go wrong, a Blues origin team hanging out at a casino <laughs> for a full week before playing a game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially with who's staying there. <laughs> <laughs> Crash, you're there, aren't you? I'm staying. This is oh, trouble. 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 No. I'm actually staying at the Star tonight, so I've got this little plan, and please keep this amongst yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to line up about five Bacardi breezes in the casino and just wait, saying, Dukes, you there, mate? Uh -oh. <laughs> Are no, you no, comfortable no. with that time? 
I'm absolutely with comfortable staying, with Yeah, I'm comfortable uh, with Not with him staying there. No, 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 no. But they're a sponsor. They're there for four nights oh, before they go out to home. Team talk building. about tempting fate. Well, I mean, what does one do there. at a casino when you get a little bored? Sporting teams from around the world have stayed there. It's not unusual. Everything, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going looking for him, Tone. You'll okay. get a text at midnight. All right. Senior bunker uh, official Jared Maxwell was dumped from games after it was revealed he told the referee not to review the grounding Aquila Uate's so-called try. This robbed Newcastle of any chance of victory uh, at Lotto Land. Look at this. For, you know, they've gone... The touch judge has said, have a look upstairs. Jared Maxwell was whispered in Ashley Klein's ear. Bunker. Don't worry about it. Try. Then you look at it. Yeah, and he drops the ball. Tone, I've got to say, in the two years of the bunker, this is, I reckon, the worst blue because it's inexcusable human error. Look at the touch judge looking at it say, yeah, I reckon he's dropped that. And the ref being overruled by the bunker official who hadn't seen the footage. And how and quick could that decision have been right if they had gone to the yeah. bunker? Yeah. Oh, how quick? Easily solved. Yeah. Easily solved. And that's what gets people, you know... People sort of accept now with the bunker that there's a little bit of greyness there. Did one. he press it? But not that. And the poor old Newcastle have they've won two games this season, Kill. They lost that game by four points, and, and that's just cruel. Just dead cruel. What people don't realise about the bunker is that I think they spent $2 million yep. on the bunker, mm-hmm. and it's located in Redfern mm-hmm. in Sydney, yep. which unfortunately is in the inner west of Sydney. Mm-hmm. And $2 million only gets you sort of a cupboard. <laughs> with a little chair, no balcony, no bathroom, nothing. So it's, it's, not, it's nowhere near as good as people think it is. <laughs> exactly. Sports, uh, it's all about the fans, and fans don't come any better than this. This is Lotto Land, the same game, Manly's win over Newcastle. Maybe they deserve oh. the win. Look yeah. at that, Kelly. Oh. Look at the little, really? little kid out. Yeah, it's easing up, Dad. Exactly. It's beautiful. Come next week. <laughs> that is the definition. That's quite a big crowd, uh, man. Good on Here's an idea to uh, steal for halftime entertainment. It's called Beat the Freeze. Comes between innings at the Atlanta Braves. Look, one bloke sets off, and he's given in America speak 200 feet. Freeze go though. Yeah. Look at the freeze go. The freeze, I should say. Oh, the freeze. Yeah. This guy in front. He's home. About now, he's home. Yeah, obviously, yeah. he has gone too far. Do we, know, good? do we know who the freeze is? Oh. <laughs> no, Kel. It's the guy oh. in the green. Come on. It's a look over Look at the there. timing, though. The timing yeah. is perfect. And the, oh, no. <laughs> Down I go. Another win for the freeze. You could bring that into any game. I love it. All right, this Scottish under-20s player was just as confident of success against Italy going in to score the try. Well, nothing again could go wrong. Away I go. Over it. Oh. <laughs> just spills it. Oh. Spills it. How would the bunker go with that one? No need to review that. That's a try. Absolutely. Scotland did go on to win. (laughs) Hawthorne coach uh, Alistair Clarkson has been fined $20,000 for his almost reluctant spray at the umpires. Have a listen. I'm not allowed to comment on disgraceful umpiring for me, so I'm better off not saying anything. I actually went in with the intention of not mentioning the umpires at all. We got a got a question from Greg Baum, and I was actually trying to bow out of the conversation more so than uh, than tip into it, but uh, just used one word that was inappropriate, and uh, that'll cost me, I think. Is your man Flem? What'd you make of it? No, disgraceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> disgraceful fine. <laughs> he didn't say anything, did he? He said he wasn't allowed to comment and he didn't. He said I'm not allowed to comment on disgraceful umpiring, <laughs> so I'll leave it there. Tell you what, that reminds me of saying something but not saying something. Uh-huh. I remember India 2004, last pitch was, you know, spinning square and uh, Jason Gillespie got interviewed ask- afterwards and got asked 
what was you, what did you think of the pitch? And he goes, well, you know, I can't comment on it, but I know a mate's mate says it's the most disgraceful. <laughs> <pitch>. <laughs> He got a call from James Sutherland. Yeah. Yeah. His mate's mate got absolutely nailed. Exactly. I mean, 15,000 of it was suspended. You think it's about right or tough? Ah, uh, look, he's got form, hasn't he? I yeah. mean, it's the fifth time that he's been suspended or fined in regards to, you know, sort of umpires. It's like an, a season thing now, isn't it? Every season he yeah. does it. He's not really helping himself. He does get on the front foot, Kel, doesn't he? He, does, he, he always apologises. Yeah, this is the, the first PR, time he's the probably The PR been gurus done that. are in his ear going, let's just kill this story, quickly apologise and everyone will forget about it. You know what I'd love to see? I mean, the, how does the money... The money doesn't do anything. What's $5,000? I mean, I, I like the fact that it was, you know, donated to, to Neil Danaher's cause, and we'll get to that very yeah. shortly. He doesn't like doing the media. Tell him to come on, tell him to come on all the shows. Maybe that back should page. be the penalty. That's get him on the back page. Get him on all the Fox, yeah. AFL Fox like shows. And I don't, also, I don't like know. the idea that appearing on our show is a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth at least five grand. Oh, I, reckon we, I reckon if we took a poll... But also, <laughs> but also you're, you're talking the coach of the team here who gave birth to the hashtag free kick Hawthorne. Over, yeah, over, yeah. over the run the last few years, yeah. Hawthorne have come down on the slightly lucky side with umpiring. See, a the lot, bunker found lot, it differently, though. A lot, more often, a lot more often than they've had it tough. This and then is, to start spraying... This is going to get when one of them goes yeah, again. Do you think you'd regret, if you're going to get a fine like that, one reckless word? Like, it, wouldn't you rather have... Your whole say, but nothing he, but he the say. He can't help himself, yeah. can he? I mean, he, he's going in, he's telling himself, don't, don't mention the umpires, don't mention the umpires. He just can't help yeah. himself. That's He doesn't think it, sometimes. He's a fascinating study, because he's going to crack again this yeah, year, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Absolutely. Yeah. As you said, they weren't great. <laughs> no, they weren't. The umps weren't great. No. As you said, though, Kel, great that the people have really embraced the big freezer at the G, raising money for motor neurone disease. They see them all with the beanies as they uh, stride into the MCG. It's fantastic. Obviously looking for a terrific game of football, but looking for some celebrities yeah. like Daisy. Great, Danny great reaction. Go. Fantastic stuff. Look, this is a devastating illness, and you can see the effect that it's having on Neil Danaher. But Gilly? But that's, that, well, sorry, Kel. That, that is Gilly, who wouldn't mention Shane Warne last week. He goes there as Shane Warne's flipper. <laughs> that's the flipper. What's the hair doing? <laughs> he was one of the best, Gilly, wasn't he? He's had a big week from appearing on our show here to the MCG. But... I think what Neil... If you ask people about MND, what, a couple of years ago, not many people mm. knew much about this devastating illness at yep. all. So, you know, through his adversity, he's able to be able to bring, you know, this sort of... to everyone's attention. Yep. They but won by, selfish, four, they won by four points, Flem, yeah. and they raised $4 million. Yeah, if you see the speech he gave to the Melbourne footballers mm. too, it's emotional. I've been, it's, I've been it's... lucky enough to be at a couple of events where yeah. Danaher has spoken and it's so moving and you, people are tearing up and he is so brave and it's not about him, it's about all the other people who are suffering and just wanting to find a cure and your heart just goes out of the guy. But it's just... It's just... It, hearing him speak on the subject is one of the most beautifully moving things you could ever He is ever a legend. Witness. Absolute right. legend. To the footy, then. Uh, forget the other contenders for Mark of the Year. Here's the winner. It's uh, Jeremy Howe. This is up, up, up there. Look at that. Oh. But yes. Tony does it just about every week. Yes. Like last year he was nominated five times, mm. Spence, for Mark of the Week. And in an era where there's not a lot of one-on-ones or pack uh, yep. marking... 
He's one of the greatest um, high flyers he, he, of all time. He had to stop at base camp halfway <laughs> to acclimatise <laughs> before completing that mark. He was literally standing on the guy's shoulders. Is he the best? Best of all time? Like, is he, Oh, that's a big call. You know, who's, the what's, who's the benchmark then? Oh, he's the best going round at the moment. He's been the best yeah. going round for the last five years. Well, Russell over... Robertson, another guy from yeah. Melbourne, was yeah. also pretty yeah, good Yeah, and both from up. Tassie. And yeah. Jeremy Howe overlooked in his first draft. He could be All-Australian this year. And he did it against his former team there. And against a, a good mate. But we've got another one. Was it the mark of the year well, in, 2012, in 2012? I think. Yeah, you yep. can see here. This is against the Swannies. Oh. And he, mm. he stays up on uh, Heath there for but quite he often, some time. Like it's only a couple of steps, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't need a, a big run-up. So yeah. he's an amazing athlete. So there's been a lot of other marks like that crash, but there wouldn't be many people who'd be able to point to getting up towards 10 now. Yeah, marks like that over the last few years. Brilliant. All right, you can tell teams going well when they think it's necessary to have elaborate handshakes. <laughs> now, this is uh, Christian Petraka, and I think it's Tom's buggy goes with. Uh, the... what, what what's that about? Well, they've clearly been planning that, working on that in their downtime. Footballers have a lot of downtime. Downtime. So mm. you know that's. Uh... I like the way that one of the players continued on and had his own yeah. little ending yeah. that Petraka didn't even need to do. Personalised <laughs> within the personalised handshake. That's, that's as good as it gets, I reckon, Tony, in the AFL when it comes to those sort of elaborate celebrations. They always yeah. seem to be influenced by American sport, Tony. Well, indeed. And let's have a look at the great man himself. This is LeBron uh, James. Now, this is—it's just not one fellow player. He's got a whole series of these things. Different one oh. yeah. for every teammate. Yeah. <laughs> How much downtime would this take? <laughs> How much downtime it takes? It's brilliant though, isn't it? So the message, is to, the message is to Petrarca and Bug just keep practising. Keep working. <laughs> Still with uh, handshakes, uh, Lion Harris-Andrews put it out there after the win over the Dockers, but he got no love whatsoever from uh, Cam McCarthy. Look, no interest. Just keeps it solid. Oh. Believes in it. Denied. Oh. The whole handshake high five thing, it can go horribly wrong. Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because the high five actually started back in 1977 at a Major League Baseball game, Dodgers versus Astros. A guy called Dusty Baker hits a home run, setting a team home run record in doing so. And as he comes around the plate, his mate, his very good buddy in the team, Glenn Burke, comes out, stands there waving like that, and they sort of bump into each other. Within the same inning... Glenn Burke puts one out of the stadium for his first ever home run. And as he comes around, Dusty Baker runs out and they wave at each other for a second and then jump and hit hands. And that was the birth of the high five 40 years ago. And we've seen it evolve to the beautiful LeBron James yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But also this week we saw the worst high five in the history of high fives. British election. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn has just, just drained it. No yeah. one's expected Corbyn to go this well. She wasn't even offering the hand. She was pointing, Jeremy. Does he stop in time or not? Oh, yeah, I think he pulled up just short of giving her contact. But dearie, man. Don't of... go with your non-dominant hand. No, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there was a bit of upstairs outside there. All right. <laughs> Who'd have thought the good old Navy Blues would be singing the team song after beating the Giants? Kel, how did this happen? Uh, I was there. I don't know, Tony. It was extraordinary. It was 17th uh, on the ladder, beating the Premiership favourites. They headed into the weekend as top. So... At, this is the final frantic moments and, uh, look, I, I think what we might have seen from the Giants for their rivals is maybe a little bit of a, a weakness here, a, a mental weakness, because they switched off. And yep. these are great scenes, Brendan Bolton. He's got so much passion and he's building this young team. They're developing and that builds so much belief. A win like that, a one-point win. 
But uh, they were they were up coming up. They had two hours to play Flem, the Giants, before their bye. And I think they just... The old-fashioned rocked up, thought it would happen and just looking forward to their Sums holidays. Sums up the season too, isn't it? It's really hard to, to predict who are the dominant teams. And if, if, if the good teams are just a little bit below par, they're getting beaten. And the column they're talking about, Josh Kelly from GWS... Mm. Needs a chance to get him next year. A lot of his ex-teammates have gone there. So, yeah. they're going well, Carl. They are. Bad loss for Port Adelaide uh, to the Bombers. Uh, I think, though, we can spot the moment that things went wrong. It was before the game. Uh, just in time of waiting to go out. Sadly, uh, they weren't ready. Well, more specifically, the oh, team no. wasn't ready to put the banner up. So, they're having to hang around in the tunnel, just waiting for the... Uh, and look, we love the people who do Well, they had a slow start because the Bombers kicked the first six goals. I think at one point it was 40 to 1. So well, maybe... Essendon are currently playing at this stage. Yeah. Essendon have already <laughs> for a goal. Yeah, they just kicked <laughs> the four. <laughs> Not a real inspirational banner, <laughs> you, want a light, you want something big there. Picking uh, up after your dog is one of the least glamorous human pursuits. Unless you're Dyson Heppel. Now, his dog Ziggy does what dogs do. He puts it in the bag and he's... He's become a viral sensation just doing the trick shots with the doggy do bag. So we're now watching a compilation tape yes. of a guy throwing dog turns <laughs> in bins. Around. This is what the internet was made for. <laughs> this is why Australia needs the NBN, honey. So I can download compilation tapes of guys going dog crap around faster and in higher resolution than I currently can because I'm dying at the moment. What, what were we just saying about footballers and too much down? Too much time on their hands. All right, Adam, you recently gave us the history, I think, of the nutmeg mm. in sport. What about the double nutmeg? Uh, we saw one here... And I think was Dyson involved? No, here it comes. Through not one, Ooh, two sets of legs. Yeah. So you need if three people. It officially becomes tunnel ball. <laughs> <laughs> that is still a double nutmeg. <laughs> I do love. Through it goes and straight between the big sticks <laughs> to cricket. And look, I'd like to blame the English weather. Uh, the fact our boys are distracted by the pay dispute. Is it that or is it we weren't good enough when we got to play against England, Flynn? Well, this game was almost a quarter-final, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was there to be won. We were looking like we were going to score 300. Lost five for 15 in the back end of our innings. Travis head batted really catch, well. And catch. we had him three down cheap. Matty Wade dropped an easy one off Josh Hazelwood. Morgan, this bloke, Ben Stokes, he is a superstar. Yeah. With bat, ball and in the field. He's going to be a, have big impact during the Ashes series. But, yeah, it was just the Champions Trophy, as we went into it, I liked it. You know, two groups of four, you, you play three games, but a um, lot of distractions. You know, the weather, it can really uh, the MOU, the ball didn't swing, Adam Zampa's haircut. All these <laughs> issues, <laughs> all these key issues doomed us from the start, didn't it, Crash? Yeah, I thought they were either players were either overcooked or undercooked. Some had come from India and been up forever, and Mitchell Stark, you know, some of them just hadn't played enough cricket. So, but, yeah, really flat, really ordinary, I thought. They never got going, and, and the Australian innings really, not many of them anyway. And, of course, the captain was very upset when uh, Moses Henriques, who came in at number four, batted beautifully for a, a couple of overs, then does that. Now, the reaction you can see on Steve Smith here, bang, he's not a happy boy. He's not, and the suggestion is that Smith got Moses in the team. He knows him well, but he has got a poor one ODI record, Flem. I mean, he's now age 30, he's not a boy anymore, and in 11 games he's averaging 10, and that spot he held there... I mean, I thought they might have had a go for Chris Lynn. Uh, I mean, Why not? You know, yeah. A bit of snap and crackle in the gloom of England, like, just say, mate, show us what you've got. We're not sure, but... Uh, I. 
never saw him as number four? Well, is Moses the fourth best one-day batsman in Australia? I don't think so. No. I think he's the number six and he gives you handy options. Good leader there as well. But you've got to have, your, 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 you've got to have a gun at number four. And I think Chris Lynn, what he's shown in the big bash and, and in one-day cricket for, for Queensland, I, I reckon he can be the real deal and, and actually dominate... Um, well, cricket. And I suppose on Stephen Smith as well, his captaincy, he is an emotional captain. So I think that's something he's always going to have to monitor, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. the feedback you give to the players is mm. paramount. And I reckon sometimes his emotions get too much of him. Um, and, you know, that can have a serious impact on players' careers. Did you ever get a, player, a captain go teapot to you, Flem, at all? Or sort of a... You You're know... talking about AB? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's naming AB. <laughs> Dean Jones, Simon O'Donnell, <laughs> Stephen War, All of them. <laughs> well, hang on. Was yeah. there any that didn't? That might be a short list. <laughs> In these uh, uncertain times, no surprise that the players had this sort of reaction when they're walking onto the field and the uh, fireworks suddenly come up. There's Steve Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, his, his reaction. He's a nuclear overreactor. <laughs> <laughs> we see, we've talked before, England, obviously, at the moment, they're a white-day specialist side. Very good team. And they've picked specialists for that. Yep. What does it mean, though, for the Ashes, should we actually get an Ashes series uh, later this year? Will they be, you know, chuffed and biggied up by what's going on? Oh, I, well, they've got to play South Africa at yeah. home in the Test Series, so that, that'll be good. Um, you know, they've probably got about half their one-day team is in their Test team, so you've got to remember that always when we build it up. You know, James Anderson, Stuart Broad, Alistair Cook, they're all not playing in that one-day team there. So I, I think they're, at the moment, probably stronger in one-day cricket than Test cricket, but I, I reckon we're in for, you know, a massive Ashes Series. Are we? Just very quickly, because I haven't had your take on it yet on this show, with the pay dispute, where are you at with it? Yeah, well, obviously, we just want to get the, the deal done. Us, the public and the fans there. I'm a big one on the, the revenue share. I like the percentage and, and you know uh, if uh, money goes up, you know, the players reap the rewards. If it goes down, well, they'll, they'll miss out on money. I agree there needs to be a tweak within the percentage, though. They've got to work out exactly what the elite players get, uh, the state players, women's cricketers, and you've got to make sure there's still enough for, for grassroots cricket because, you know, that's the basis... Um, yeah, you know, to produce, the, you know, yep. the great cricketers that we want to watch. All right, let's get some good news then. Uh, is it too cruel to say South Africa has a history of choking in big tournaments? Nope. They were cruising against India. An amazing run-out implosion oh. here. And that wasn't just one. It was two or three crash. Oh, it's just... They have got the biggest mental block in big tournaments. I think in, in World Cup cricket, they've won one knockout game since they came after... Post-apartheid era. That is extraordinary. They are so They've been hard. too good a team, haven't they? Oh, Flynn, they've been terrible in knockout yeah. tournaments, haven't they? And and you started it. Yes, correct. <laughs> You're the man who started it. Let, let's have a little look at you starting it then. This was what, we, 19... Can we be specific? Yeah, What's 1999, this? I think it might have been. All traces back See, to this, that's a good nut, that. Yeah, that's a, a good Yorker. nut. Terrified them. And what do you do? You underarm yeah. it all the time, <laughs> don't you? Hey. <laughs> Spence, you've got to get it would done. Have, would have been very tempting to actually throw it over on one of the plane, but you kept your nerve, held your nerve and <laughs> rolled it at two kilometres an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Were you aiming for the stumps when I you actually had time it? to run a pass, Gilly. So don't miss that ball there, Gil. <laughs> um, but really, since that day, and it's only been lately, under the Graham Smith captaincy and all that, you know, they said we're not chokers and all that. It's only recently they've actually admitted that they have choked. And I think not until you admit it that you can actually move on. 
But it's another tournament that they've gone. They, they had as good a team going into this tournament than anyone. Totally. Uh, just uh, appealing to the bowlologist in you right Fair now. Call. Did you enjoy this delivery? Because I think this might have been the ball of the tournament, and it's certainly up there. Uh, and we oh. angling in, moving away. That's what I call the Bermuda Corridor. You bowl there and batsmen disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's the boulevard of Bermuda's, isn't it? <laughs> Look at that. that no, that's a dream delivery. Top what of can off. you do? Just a stunning ball. Uh, great to see. All right, coming up, the Wallabies' Carmichael Hunt joins us. Australia's bid for the Women's World Cup and plenty of drama and emotion as the Warriors and Cavs face off in Game 4. aggressive nature that we bring is going to lead to the speed and the force that we have to bring to close the series out, right? Irving, crossover, the drive off the glass. Vigadala pushing, goes all the way and throws it down. Durant from way outside, dribbles the three-pointer. Pushing it up the floor, finds James. James goes by and throws it down. Technical foul, go nose to nose. Some room, scoop layup off the glass. Curry, rifle pass, and Iguodala crashes. Durant gets away from Clover, all the way to the rim. There's redemption for Golden State. The Warriors are NBA champions again. Golden State reversing last year's result. They are the NBA champions. How much do you love that, Kel? Uh, very much indeed. Uh, the Warriors now, what is it, two out of the last three years. They went 16-1 and one in playoffs. So yep. it was just an absolute dominant display by them. And it was billed like the rematch from last year. Didn't really feel like it. I mean, you know, you throw Kevin Durant in there and they're a different-looking mm. team, the Warriors. And I guess when Bogut played for them, they were... Personally, they were just so likeable. You had yep. that Aussie link. Whereas now... I mean, this is a, a super, super team that's been put together. And, he picked um, up the MVP of the series, yeah, Kevin Yeah, Durant. I mean, they're a little bit show-offy, Tony, I guess is what I'm getting at. But, mm. hey, all credit to Kevin Durant. He made that emotional speech about his mum a few years ago when he won the uh, league MVP and she was there today and it was emotional yep. scenes for them. Yeah, it was great. I, I like the way they got into each other's faces. Let me say that quite literally. I think there's David West and Tristan Thompson just right up... Mm. This is more than a secret handshake, isn't it? I've always liked you. I've always liked you too. <laughs> absolutely intense. I love it. Steph Curry, he was amazing. Again, he is all class. Uh, until he does this. Now, this wasn't from the last game. This might have been game three, Kel. He's oh, no. on the other team's deck and I'm not sure what Wait, that can is. You look in the ba- Dyson Heppel's in the background. <laughs> Curry, three points from Edel. From downtown, nothing but net. Curry's not alone, of course, in, in that style of celebration. Uh, I think we've got another one here from. Uh, it's not actually the NFL, but it gets through and whoop, and even drops the ball down as well. Just if you did know exactly what was going on. 
Whoopsie daisy, oh. yeah. yeah. All class. Tad disrespectful. Absolutely. It's pretty painful too, I would have thought. The size of that football, but I'm coming to see a doctor. Australia is bidding for the uh, 2023 Women's World Cup. Now, given how well I bid for the 2022 men's version, went, what could possibly go wrong here? But this is actually good news, I'd have thought. Kelly, you are all yeah. Look, for this I, one. I think this is soccer striking back. I mean, in the uh, sort of battle of women's sport that has erupted in the last 12 months, it's fair to say that AFL and cricket has certainly gone past soccer. And if they can pull this off in six years' time, I mean. This would just be huge. The last World Cup was held in Canada. They had record crowds. Over a million people went to the games all up. There were a couple of sellouts of over 50,000. Yep. The flow-on effect then to the local leagues would be huge, Adam. So you can imagine if... if and look, look what we did in this country with the women's AFL, where the numbers exceeded whatever and expected. The publicity would be great. I've, I've said for a long time, when, when, when David Gallup first took over the men's... Uh, sorry, the FFA, I said to him at an event once, we could win the men's World Cup of football. It'd take us 30 or 40 years and cost billions of dollars. We could do it. We could win the Women's World Cup within a decade and you'd get change out of 20 million bucks if we really wanted to. Women, it, it is low-hanging fruit. We make the final eight in all of these tournaments. We're still pretty much semi-professional players. If we knew we had a home World Cup to build mm. to and the money and support was put around the girls, we'd go very, very close to winning the whole thing. Much has already been said of Saudi Arabia players uh, seemingly refusing to acknowledge the minute's silence before last week's World Cup qualifier in Adelaide. No matter how you look at this, it was horrible. Clearly disrespectful. Well, I mean, that's the ultimate definition of disrespectful, isn't it? And you can only imagine how it would go down if the Aussies did something similar in Saudi Arabia. Um, and sure, they came out and publicly apologised and issued a statement. Shouldn't have done it in the first place. Was, it was that just... when they just got a little bit of heat and decided to yeah. apologise? I would have thought so. Was it a gesture of defiance or indifference? Were they saying, oh, no, we just don't care about your custom? Or was it a sort of a, no, we won't be pushed around in your soil? I, I, it's still a mystery, isn't it? It is. And, um, I mean, they claimed it was because of cultural differences, but I think we've seen in the past yeah. that they have done it before. Yep. So, I mean, bottom line, it's disrespectful, yep. isn't it? Yep. Maybe then it, w it was karma that the uh, Saudi keeper went on to do this in the actual game. Uh, it's the kick out that yeah. goes straight back past you. Yeah. If you listen now, you can hear a minute's silence. Yeah. From the keeper. <laughs> He's not saying What's anything. What's he thinking there, Spence? Oh, dearie yeah. me. Slip and he's going, well, as long as this guy doesn't kick it straight past... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one's a bad one, but this actually may be the howler of all howlers. Now, you've got seconds to go. Sweden and France are one all. The French keeper, Hugo Lloris, he could have done anything. Except this. So the ball comes to him. See, we've got seconds. He decides to just oh, take you it. Go. Yeah. Backing yourself. Yeah, exactly. He knew, didn't he? As soon as the ball oh. left his boot, he thought, uh-oh. He just took oh, off. Sprinting, yeah, look, look at him. him. What he have I done? <laughs> Not sure if he's made it back home, but there you yeah. go. Uh, another keeper howler for you. At, at least this futsal keeper was aggressive in his approach. Uh, he gets the ball and the big throw out off the face and back into the goal. <laughs> oh, the own falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. All right, the, uh, the US Open this weekend. It's at Erin Hills, where the hills are the least of the players' worries. Uh, Crash, you like the look of this, don't you? This is a golf course where uh, one player... This is Kevin Nahr. Yeah. Well, Kev is... 
he, write him off now. He's no chance for the uh, US Open. It's so tough. This is him doing a little video on how tough the rough is. He can't even find the ball he tossed in. Where is it? It's somewhere in there. And this is just off the fairway. So he says, right, see how far I can hit it. And he's a strong golfer. Bang. Lost it? No, it's still there. Bang. This, be, this is like this on all of the holes. It is. That's and this is what the US Open golf is. It's torture. I've got to say... I love it. Oh. Very few do, but there's something perverse that's about this tournament alone that's absolutely mesmerising. And Lee Jansen said once, he said, what you do before the US Open, he won two of them, he said, anyone who whinges, just put a cross beside their name because they can't win it. You've got to, you've got to say to yourself, this is tough, but I've got a bit of news for you. So am I. All right, well, watch that with great oh, It'll be interest. great. Uh, the New York Mets are struggling, and the strain is telling on mascot Mr Met. Look, he flipped the bird there at a fan during the uh, latest loss. He's actually been happen. banished. Look at that. Been banished. But, look, I ain't no fancy big city lawyer, but he, that's, uh, the bird involves a middle finger. He's only got four. <laughs> <laughs> so he's either pointing Defense or asking rest. someone to marry him. Exactly. <laughs> if you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> The defence rests. I, I know my Beyonce. No, you are. He's been banned, yeah. and he's only got four of them. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's sinking. Imagine the best of the night. <laughs> the various ways mascots have behaved badly over the years. Oh, so no. we made it oh, this, this week's oh. top five. Brought to you by <laughs> Kia. Right, let's start at five. Uh, this is just the mascots getting under the skin of officials. Look, that bomb. Ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah. Little falcon on the no. head of the sideline official, very happy with himself there. Or just being annoying uh, around doing a bit of dancing, break dancing That's on a badger, the field. Is it? Still yeah. a badger. That's a badger. This is what badgers yeah. do. I'm just yeah. badgering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave me alone. Dancing. <laughs> exactly. I love him. And number four, uh, drunken disorderly behaviour. Uh, we can see this is the line mascot, famously both headless and legless. Oh, look at him. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm OK to go on, don't you worry. That's much like Will Ferrell in Blades of Glory. <laughs> yeah, Blades of right. Now, this is the Dodgers bear, or just the dodgy bear. I'm not yeah. sure he's actually supposed to be oh, there. Ooh. Yeah, no, the security come to take the uh, the dodgy bear away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a few. <laughs> I'll be all right, though, Sunshine. Uh, number three, scaring the fans. I quite like, uh, even just with a little... <laughs> spider on the fishing line. Look at the bloke, he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a first date. The Seahawks mascot uh, oh, on search oh. for roadkill. Uh, oh, oh. Is that Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> it looks a bit like it, doesn't it? Just so happy. And of course, oh, the runaway yeah. elephant oh, yeah. freaked out the uh, AFL fans for the for North Melbourne. Arden Street. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a mascot officially, but still, we'll go with it. Number two. Uh, harassing cheerleaders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the horny armadillo. It's about the 400th time we've shown that. And of course, he could get eaten by the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly inappropriate. <laughs> so inappropriate behaviour. <laughs> and number one, it's just plain offensive behaviour. I'm not who, sure who that gorilla is. Oh, the That's. I'm not sure what this guy's doing. <laughs> offensive. I told her it was offensive mascot behaviour. There you go. Coming up, he's the latest dual international to make his mark in a Wallabies jersey. Fresh from Australia's win over Fiji, Carmichael Hunt joins us next. How many times I count the minutes? The 2017 international season is underway in Melbourne.
Carmichael Hunt down the short side. We've seen Carmichael Hunt get the ball to the line. Great to see him taking it forward. Foley, he's going to kick across for Falau's wing. It's one-on-one -on -one in the air, and it's on the ground, and Israel Falau is going to claim the first try of the international season. Coleman, inside ball, Higginbotham, over the top it goes. It needs to sit up for Spain, and it does! Shot ball, Israel Falau up over the 22. They won't drag him in, it's a try. Sharp tonight, Carmichael Hunt this afternoon. 125 games of NRL, 44 AFL, and now a dual international. Here we go. Oh, big shot in midfield. Spade for the corner. Henry Spade has got a double. What a way to finish for the Wallabies. What a rise it's been for Carmichael Hunt. And now he is a Wallaby. Congratulations to him. Yeah, it was an impressive debut for the Wallabies. Comes as no surprise, really, given the experience of the man he is. After all, a dual international Carmichael Hunt. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Uh, that was great work. How did, how did it feel? I mean, the, the journey, obviously, has been a long one to get mm. to that point, standing there in a gold jersey, singing the national anthem. Was that a nice moment for you? It was a nice moment. Um, it's been a tough couple of years, obviously, personally, uh, both on and off the field. So for me to be able to get a cap uh, was a dream come true. Looked unlikely there at one stage, but for me to run out singing the national anthem, uh, it was just a proud moment for myself and family, so very happy. Kelly had a, a very important question she was going to ask you. I, did, I already asked him in the ad break. Yeah. Are you growing your hair? I am, on? yeah. What's going Obviously. on? Obviously. Um, yeah, but, um, you're going the top knot. Are you going the man bun? <clears> I'm not going the man bun. It's just if I don't tie it up, it gets in my eyes. So, <laughs> um, look, it, I'm battling in a few positions, as you can probably see, <laughs> but... Uh, here going I'm, on. I'm doing my best, so <laughs> that's all I can back. ask of him. Party up the back. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's uh, my claim to fame. The Wallabies, it's so important for us, for our national psyche, that the Wallabies perform well. And given what's been going on in Super Rugby, it's mm. been a struggle for uh, Australians. So, obviously, the pressure was on. Fiji, big physical side. How did you rate the performance? Uh, look, it was a good start. Obviously, winning is what we're judged on, ultimately. So, for us to win against the Fijians was uh, uh, what we wanted, what we prepared for all week. But... Um, I think there's many levels for us to go. Look, today was a really big training session for us where we worked on a few things that we didn't get right in the game. So, uh, you know, they're a very physical team, as we can see from the highlights. But for us uh, this week, Scotland's a different beast. Um, you know, it's always been traditionally tight games against Scotland, so we're going to have to go up another gear. I had so a look today and I've counted, I think, six teams that you've played through for. You've got the Broncos yeah. and then Queensland, obviously, mm. the Kangaroos, Gold Coast Suns, the Reds and now the Wallabies. What... Be honest, where, where, where have you had the most fun? Which team have you oh, enjoyed playing I mean, for the most? Look, I enjoy every sort of experience that I get, so I can't sort of put one above the other. But, you know, definitely making the Wallabies, just after everything that went on personally for me, is probably up there with one of my greatest achievements just because of how far I had to go, how far, you know, a lot of the stuff I had to get through. So, mm. um, you know, this definitely rates as one of my highest achievements. So. And, and you mentioned the tough stuff, and it's there, mm. isn't it? You know, it the, the drug stuff after the the Gold Coast Suns, mm. did you ever feel fear that you wouldn't make it back? Were you, did you ever feel you're at the bottom of an abyss that you would never climb out of? Oh, not really. Look, I look for the positives in every situation. I think, um, you know, we make mistakes, but I think there are lessons there to make us a, a better person. Um, I've always been big on evolution as a player, um, always trying to get better no matter what uh, what state your game is and personally. So, um, for me, it was just, a, you know, a time for a bit of reflection to see, you know, what was going on with myself and... Um, you know, thankfully, you know, I'm thankful for that situation to happen the way it did. Obviously, I was 
Um, not happy bringing um, you know, the club into disrepute, the Gold Coast Suns and whatnot. But um, for me personally, I've come out the other side a better player uh, and a better man, more importantly. Do you have regrets with that whole Gold Coast Suns experience? Oh, look, I guess um, you only do what you know. Like, um, you know, back then I was a lot more immature. Um, I, was, I was very unaware of myself, what was affecting me emotionally. Um, I was going through a, lot of, a few things personally that um, I wasn't able to deal with. And, look, all I knew at the time was how to release was just to go and have a drink with the boys and, and one thing led to another. But a couple of years down the track, I'm a lot more mature. Um, I can deal with my thoughts and emotions a lot better. Um, I have a lot better uh, coping mechanisms, a, a lot better open dialogue at home with my wife and my family. And I feel like I'm a more balanced person because of it, um, and thankfully. Can I ask, Carmichael, AFL League, Union, elite, elite, elite. Name me a sport you crap at. Just, just, oh, just, right. just give me something. Number four in one day. Oh, yeah. Australia. You got this me there. Yeah, no, Tennis, definitely golf. not. Something, something you're really definitely average not. at. Just, to, just oh, to... I'm average at golf. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you got me there. Probably okay. <laughs> Probably we just saw four or something. Yeah, mate, yeah. Izzy Folau, and yeah. he's played the highest level in three. Uh, do you ever have a bit of banter with him? Who's the better all-round footballer? Yeah, we go through the codes. AFL. Yeah. I reckon you've got him covered. Let's be Maybe. honest. Yeah, yeah. Izzy. Uh, Wallabies, we'll give it to him because he's had more time at this stage. Mm. What about league? Oh, look, to be diplomatic about it, Izzy and I are different athletes. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> we play the game differently, look but look... Um, There's a coach right there. Yeah. <laughs> look, Izzy and I, uh, we go about it differently, but just thankfully we've had great careers and able to enjoy some good times along the way. So And more to come. Hopefully more to come in the Wallabies jersey. You have enjoyed some terrific times. Now, I think Adam's got something he wants to put to you, but it's through this. I think you were the first Suns player to kick a goal, winning goal after the siren, after which the we can siren, ha correct. have a look at, okay. I think we, cool. ha we have as well. Must have been a sensational moment for you. I, I heard yeah. a version of this, that you've, you've taken the mark, the siren goes, Gary Ablett passes close by you. He does. What does he say to you as you're contemplating what must have been one of the most nervous moments in your life? What was Gaz's well, advice? Look, Gaz's advice was, um, we don't care if you miss. Yeah. Just ultimately take the pressure off me. Uh, I love that. He said it doesn't matter if It doesn't if matter you if you miss, miss But thankfully, I'd run probably about 12Ks beforehand, so I was pretty buggered and there was not, not, not much going through my head. <laughs> other than to get up to the top of my run-up uh, and just ball. kick through the ball. And thankfully, I went through the middle. And how hard has it been to change your body shape it's for been, all the different codes? Yeah, difficult. Uh, going to AFL, uh, I lost a lot of weight and then sort of having to come back to rugby and put some weight back on, it's, it's been a long transition. Uh, so I'm about 96 kilos, about eight up from what I was at the Gold Coast. Um, so I lost, mm. when you lose weight, you lose power, you lose speed, you lose all those attributes. That probably made me good at rugby league. So I'm about eight kilos heavier than I was a couple of years ago too. I don't know what you <laughs> mean. <it's laughs> feeling it. What about uh, Origin next Wednesday? We saw obviously the Queensland side in which you used to yeah. play. They've named a vastly different they team have. for Origin too. Mm. Did you like the look of it? Will you still uh, watch Origin as it runs around? I do watch Origin. Um, we were in Samoa game one, so it was quite late over there, but we managed to stay up and watch a half of footy. But... Look, some changes there. I don't think there's been this many changes for a while, so um, I'm pretty excited for the guys that are getting the opportunity. But kind of feel for uh, Oti, who's missed out, because I thought he was one of Queensland's best in Game 1. But that's just the way uh, the coach is going, and hopefully they can get the job done in Game 2. Right, and hopefully you and the rest of the Wallabies can get the job done in Sydney Allianz Stadium this Saturday afternoon against the Scots. I think then you go to Italy, uh, go to Brisbane to play Italy. Thanks so much. Uh, enjoy, obviously, your journey as it continues. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. You can catch that on Fox Sports from 2.30. Coming up, our champ of the week.
Welcome back, everybody. Uh, very little time, but something very important has just come uh, into us. It involves Adam Spencer, who, as we know, is very big on the history of the high five and the snubbing. He snubs Carmichael Hunt. Look at this. No! <laughs> Honestly, no, he left very just, grieved. Just as well he didn't go for the high five. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, don't let anyone tell you uh, horses are gentle, sweet creatures. They're nasty and vindictive. Uh, look at this one in, in New Zealand. He's the one who's got no rider. He's already got rid of his rider. Uh, and the other bloke shifts across, hopefully get rid of the horse. Oh, oh, no. oh, knocks him off and away he goes. And so we've got Here he goes, oh, runs oh, straight deep, for the horse the that had pushed him off the track. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Horses, nasty bits of, of work. Today. Time now, though, for our Champ of the Week, brought to you by Subway. How could we possibly go past the great man, Rafael Nadal, the first man to win the same Grand Slam event ten times. Didn't drop a set on his way through to thumping Stan Favrinka in the French Open final. Lost to Roger Federer at Kell at the Australian Open. Uh, Great to see them going head-to-head -head at Wimbledon, wouldn't it? Bring on that nice. Wimbledon final already. It would be brilliant. Thank you all for your company. Thanks, and thank you for yours. It's been a great pleasure. See you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.